So last week, we talked about going deeper in community. And essentially, the theme or the point of what I was trying to share was that if we're going to go deeper, it's going to require that we do so together. Because none of us are going to be an amazing Christian outside of having real relationships with other believers. And, and listen, I'm not talking about just having some hobby buddies. It's cool that we have people that we like to hike, bike, and trike with. I think that is really, that was pretty, you see that? That was pretty cool. I think that's really, that's really great. There are people that I play basketball with that I'm never going to ask advice from. No, you're not in the room. Um, There are people that I do certain things with that I'm not going to ask them about my marriage. You understand? They don't have a Christ-centered mindset. They're not biblically grounded. They don't believe in Jesus. And so we're not talking about having people that we have like interest groups. There's nothing wrong with that, but we have to have relationships in Christ with people that love God, that love Jesus, that honor his word, where we are honest and we are vulnerable and we are open and we are willing to hear from them and they hear from us. We are shaping and sharpening each other to be more like Christ. The question today is how many of us really want to grow? I'm just waiting for every hand. That's all. <laughs> it's like, it's nine. All right. If we want to grow, it's, it's going to be more than just you and God. We have to invite other people into our relationship sphere so that we can become all that God has called us to be. And I think this is vital for us. It's an ingredient of growing Christians that I believe causes exponential growth. And that ingredient is accountability. Now, we're used to accountability in the world, and I just want to prove it to you. There's so many things that we do outside of just being a Christian that our accountability is is a part of. I could talk to you about the reviews that we have for our jobs. If, If you're working and you're not retired right now, but all of us understand this, is that at some point, whether it's three months or six months or 12 months, you're going to sit down with your supervisor, and they're going to walk through an accounting of how you did your job, whether that was good or that was, that was bad. There's accountability. For those of us that have businesses, you go through these things called audits, and you love those. How many of you have screen time reports on your phone? Apple knew that we needed to know how much time we were spending on our devices. It gives us an account. See, all of us think we're great. You know, I don't spend that much time on my phone. I don't spend that much time watching television. But then you got to look at it and go, oh, well, that's a little bit more than I, than I thought it was. Some of us have that MyFitnessPal app, and we think we don't eat that bad until we have to log every single thing that we eat. And then we look at it and we go, wow, that has that much sugar in it? It's accountability. You know, I remember I struggled with my weight. I've told you this before, even since I was a kid. I actually couldn't get a breakthrough in losing weight until I forced myself to look at what I was eating. You know why? Because I was accountable for what I was doing. Before that, I wasn't accountable and I could believe my own narrative. I could believe that Ben doesn't eat that bad and I don't eat that much and I don't have that much of a sweet tooth. And I found out by becoming accountable, I don't just have a sweet tooth, I've got a whole sweet grill. I wish it was just one tooth, amen, I do. 
What about video surveillance out here in Federal Way, guys? What about those video surveillance cameras? Everybody thinks they drive fine. I never drive over the speed limit. I drive really slow. Until one day, you get that nice little God bless you, thank you letter in the mail that says now you owe $180 because you were driving outside of the speed limit. Now, I've never had one of those before, but I've heard about them from many of you. And so we think, you know, I drive well, I always follow the laws, and all of a sudden you realize that you don't. What about, there's some doctors in the room and nurses, so just close your ears for a moment. When you go to a new doctor and, uh, and they give you that intake form, it starts out easy, doesn't it? The first side of it, it's like, here's my name, here's my address, just factual information, no problem. You get down there a little bit lower, your family history. I don't have a problem filling out things about other people. Not a problem. I'll be explicit. Not, not an issue at all. Turn over on the backside, and then all of a sudden, do you smoke? Do you drink? How often do you drink? How much caffeine do you drink? All this. I mean, of course, I'm pretty clean there, but when it gets to caffeine, you know, you like to think you don't have an addiction until you have to fill it out specifically. Yeah, two cups, three cups. That's an addiction. And then they have this line on there, how much do you weigh? And we have amnesia. And I remember I used to weigh 179 pounds. And so I just write 181. Does that sound great? Then they walk you down. You fill all that out. It's great. Sweat's over. You walk down that long, sterile hall. And the next thing you know, they're putting you on a scale. And so whatever number you had on that, now the scale is going to tell all exactly where you are. Everybody say accountability. And then it says a number you don't want it to say. So the next thing in your mind is, well, this is a really heavy coat today. That's all that, that's all that is. If I would have known, you know, this is not a time to, to, to disrobe, okay, to prove a point. But my accountability is a part of our world. And, and maybe it is that if we weren't required to be accountable to all of those things that I mentioned, maybe we, maybe we wouldn't be accountable. But let me ask you the question, would we be better off without the accountability that we're so accustomed to? Would our traffic be better off? Would our weight be better off? Would our screen time on our phones be better off? Would our job performance be better? That's the reason that we do all these things. That's why we have it as a part of our world. And if we're used to it, for these things to happen in our natural life, how much more accountable should we be in our spiritual life if it matters more? See, some of us, we think, well, that's kind of legalistic. Not if you want to grow. See, if your desire is to grow, you've got to ask the question, what do I got to do in order to be all that God wants me to be? And I would tell you today, if you want to grow more, then you're going to need people in your life that you can be honest with and they can be honest with you. In Ephesians chapter five, Paul's addressing the church here. And between verse 1 and 15, I counted about 11 things that he deals with concerning their conduct. Essentially, it's like a list of do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Do this. Remember who you are. This is what's important. This is sinful. He goes through about 11 issues of conduct, and then he concludes with these words, and I want you to think about them as we're focusing on being accountable and having accountable relationships. He says in verse 15, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, men or women, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. 
So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. I know you don't use that word in your life. That's wastefulness. That's dissipation. But be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And look at verse 21. And be subject or submitted to one another in the fear of Christ. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The word accountability is not in this passage, but I think it's thoroughly implied, especially when you look at verse 21. I'll read it again. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. It's like Paul saying, I want you to submit your lives to one another. In order to do what I'm saying, there's an element or an ingredient that will help you in Christ be successful, and that is you being able to humble yourself and put your life before another person, that they can see what you really are, and they have the authority to speak into that. See, the reality is this. We can't submit our life to anyone without revealing the truth of our life to someone. What does it really mean to submit our life to people when they don't even know what our life consists of? See, this is the point of being accountable. It's that people that really know us. I want to talk to you about that a little bit. So a couple points. The first one is this. Accountability is necessary in my view. Verse 15 again. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Now again, verse 14, I already told you, Um, before this, Paul goes into all of these details about what we should and shouldn't do. And then he concludes with verse 15, be careful how you walk, be mindful about how you live, take it seriously. This is what he's saying. Watch over your life. Something is coming after you. There are all kinds of schemes in this world. We have an enemy. We have all, all these things that we're facing. And he's like, be careful, be serious, Be watchful about how you live your life. This warning is absolutely necessary because there's a lot at stake and a lot against us. And can we be honest today? We have a tendency to drift if we're not careful. We just do. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have a tendency to drift from God's word. We have a tendency to drift from our purpose and the values that guide our decision-making in this life. And so for those who think accountability is necessary, I think that they have a certain kind of mindset. People that believe what I'm saying, they think a certain way. And and here's a couple of the ways that, that I think they believe, or we have to believe, if we're gonna be accountable to other people. Number one is we are sons and daughters of God. Ephesians 5.1, he starts the chapter by saying, be imitators of God as beloved children. This is our goal. It's not just right behavior. It's that we're following someone and we want to be like him. We want to mimic what he modeled. Be imitators of God as beloved children. This is so much bigger than just behavior. It's about knowing who we are and whose we are. You know, an illustration that comes to my mind is the development that I have in my parenting. Now, I've talked to you a little bit about that and I make fun of myself because uh, it is therapeutic to most of you, probably. And, uh, and I don't want to present 
I don't think any of us should present ourselves as some type of awesomeness. You know, we all are walking this out with God, right? It's real. We're authentic. And so I think about the development of my parenting. My parenting started out this way because every child in my home, all of them, and I respect and love all of them and their development, I did the same thing and you probably did too. But I just got to say this. I just got to get this off my chest. Every child has at some point challenged the Dixon rule book. I mean, on almost every level. And it's normal. And so I, I expect it. But as a young parent, I would challenge right back. That's just what I, it's just what I did. And so maybe it would sound like this. Well, I would say no to something or mom would say no to something. Well, Jason gets to listen to that. And Jason, or who, who's, if your name's Jason, I'm sorry, especially if you're a guest. Um, or Sarah gets to listen to this or that and go there and stay out till 1 a.m. And I'm like, this is how I used to respond as a young parent. I don't care if Jason Beelzebub gets to stay out till 1 a.m. That doesn't bother me if little Lucifer gets to do whatever they want at all. I don't even care, okay? Because that's not what you're gonna do. And it was, that was it. There's no lecture, case closed, no muss, no fuss. I don't care what their face looks like after that. But I grew, you know, I grew over time. Amen. Thank you for praying for me. And I moved towards a different way of, it wasn't just behavior. I wanted them to know why. And it was like this, Dixon's do not listen to that. Dixon's do not watch that. Dixon's do not go there. Dixon's need to wake up earlier in the morning. Dixon's need, it, I started to talk about a value system that was based on who we are. See, what we do is always based on who we are. And when you know who you are, it makes a lot of sense why you take the path that you do. But if we don't explain that to our children, which I didn't in my earlier days, I would just say no or, or yes. But I realized I had to come to a place where I was helping them understand that this is the way that we are because we know who we are. When you know who you are, you know what you're doing in this life. When you know whose you are, who you belong to, there are things that you just can't even consider. They're just not a part of your life. And so we would say this, and, and again, Dixon's follow Jesus the best we can, and sin, I would define sin, is doing anything that Jesus wouldn't do. Come on, that's a really good definition right there. And that's how, that's how I learned to talk about accountability, not just to the things, but to who we are. Very important. Number two, and, and I'm actually going to couple two and three together. Our time is limited, Paul says, and our world is evil. Make the most of your time because the days of evil, the days are evil. The word for evil here means diseased or ill or degenerating from original virtue. Something is degenerating. We have a mission of bringing people to Jesus and Jesus to people. We have a mission of making disciples of all nations. God has committed his power and he's committed his mission into our care. And he says, I want you to go and do this. And so we have something that we are about. And Paul was concerned with the church of his day. And he said, look, there are things that are gonna happen, but you've gotta remember, you have to make the most of your time because the days are evil. There's this degenerating from original virtue and all the stuff that's going on around you, you're gonna be distracted and you're also gonna be persecuted. Those were the concerns of his heart when he's sharing this. See, allowing distraction, it wastes our precious time and it robs us from what really matters. 
But when we think about persecution, persecution does this. It tries to stop us from sharing the gospel, from making disciples, and being who, who God's called us to be. So in other words, don't waste your time. Spend your time wisely on one hand. Don't be distracted by lesser things. And on the other hand, whatever freedoms you have, use them with all of your heart today because you don't know what's going to be taken away from you tomorrow. And there's so many people today that want to talk about, and they're afraid of our, of our freedoms being taken from us. I share some of those sentiments. I get that. But friends, we cannot fear anything. L listen carefully to me. We can't spend our energy and time worrying about what's being taken from us because what we will do is take that energy and put it against put it into a place of being defensive. When all the while God said, preach the gospel, make disciples. So we're not putting any of our energy into the actual mission. Instead, we just have this defensive posture and that's where we're spending our time. And friends, I just want to tell you, Paul was worried that that's what they would be doing. Yeah, persecution might be coming, but how are you using your freedom today? See, that's the point, isn't it? If we have freedom, if we fight for freedom, then use your freedom. That's what he's talking about. Use the freedom that you have because if we don't use the freedom for God's calling in our life, then it doesn't matter that we have it. As Christians, we have a mission that's transcendent. It's greater than just having a nice, comfortable, cozy life. It's about letting people know who he is and what he has uh, for us. But isn't it easy to get distracted from what God has said in this world, isn't it? I was telling somebody earlier today, I was praying this morning and I was thinking about I know, like just as a person, and since I became a Christian, I have an edge on me. I, I, just, I just do. But you know what? what? What would it be like if I lost that edge? What would it be like if I stopped saying, hey, we need to be a people of prayer? Hey, we need to be a people of fasting. Hey, we need, you hear me say this all the time. We need to get in the word of God. Let's just say overnight, that edge is gone. Now what, now what happens? What happens to the church without any provocation, any challenge, any push, any provoking in the spirit? What happens? What happens? You know what happens? The church becomes a place of potlucks and raffles. That's exactly what it is. And that's what a lot of us want. There's something inside of us where we want that. I, I, I get it. I want to sit back and, and be comfortable and casual and hang out and smile. It's just all fun. It's all great. And we just forget that people are going to hell. We forget that people are adopting new value systems. We forget that God's given us a minute. We just forget all that. It doesn't matter because we just want to have fun. We just, ben, I just want to be happy. Say things that make me happy. And that's what we want in our relationships. I want to be around people that just add really great value to me. Friends, you want somebody that'll bring the sword to you. Amen. you, you look, friends, it's nice to have those people too. I mean, you know, lift me up, build me. That's, that's part of it. But what about that edge? What about that edge challenging us to be more that we are called to something in, in this life? And we can be so distracted as it is. I, I, I will admit it. I can be distracted. I was thinking about something very dumb that I did last year. Do you want to know? Yeah. Do tell. <laughs> All right. God called me to write another book. I have been writing it, and the pandemic sort of derailed that. Well, the pandemic can't be my excuse anymore, right? Right. All right. <laughs> no agreement. Anyways, in my mind. So last year, I started committing myself to writing this because I want to get this done. It's part of this trilogy that I've been writing. And, and, it's, and, and it's, I've done the research, and it was frustrating, and it was hard. And I, and I got to a point where when the spring came, the summer came, 
I was looking at my backyard and I'm like, you know, there's some stuff we got to do here. My front yard, we started working on the front yard and we got that done. But then the backyard, I just, you ever wake up in the morning and you're like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> None of this is going to stay the way it is. Like that's what happened to me. And so <laughs> I'm just embarrassed, man. I went out there and I, I ripped out our 18 by 16 patio. It had these bricks and it was damaged and the whole day. And I just, one day, I just, without calculating the cost, without getting any bids to replace it, without, I'm just embarrassed. Here it is, guys. I really did this. And not only did I do it, but Misery Loves Company and I forced the rest of my family to be a part of this endeavor. <laughs> and I was like, we're going to flatten this. So we're going to take these trees out. And by the end of the day, we had hacked all this and we had pulled all this up. And some guy from Facebook Marketplace had committed to, bring, to getting all of our bricks in one day, it was a done deal, okay? Then accountability set in. And I got three bids for what it's going to cost to do concrete in my backyard. And I darn near had a heart attack. I did not know. And if you do concrete, God bless you. But I did not know people that do concrete make as much money as doctors. I did not know that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not know it was surgery. I'm sorry. I think everybody should make a good living. I'm totally for that. But I'm just telling you, this guy had, I had a heart attack, okay? And so I was like, in my mind, okay, in my mind, in my heart, in this place, right here, this place, I was pierced. <laughs> and so I was dead set on finding a better bid. It did not, it, 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 it did not happen. It did not happen. I didn't get close to the number that was in my head. So now I've got a hole in my backyard and I'm talking about accountability. And my wife, she's so wonderful. Praise God. She's not in the service, but, um, you know, women are so sophisticated. She just, she doesn't even have to look at me anymore. I just, it's like the pitcher who's, when they're, when they're pitching, they got that look, they kind of, she didn't even have to do that. I just feel it. She knew it was a mistake, but she didn't say nothing. She just let me be a knucklehead. And so now we got this big hole in our yard and I'm trying to figure, here's the deal. All that's funny. We've all done that type of stuff before. But the problem is, is I literally did not have to do it, and I derailed the purpose that I had for something that was not important. How many of you have ever done that before? You made a decision, you didn't calculate the cost, you didn't realize what it was going to cost you, and you made a big decision compulsively, but what you were exchanging was a year of landscape work on your day off for the purpose that God had given you to finish and accomplish something. And this is what I'm saying. When Paul says evil, he's not just talking about what shows up on Halloween. He's not just talking about the Hollywood version. He's saying that there are things, the evil in this life is the pleasure of self. It's the distractions of this world. That's the kind of evil that he's, it's just sucking on us all of the time, advertising to us, trying to make us believe that we're missing something in our life when God has already called us to something glorious. And we miss it. We miss it because we get focused on these other things. And so we need to do what the psalmist said in Psalm 90, verse 12. He said, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. To number our days, you don't have that much time. And so you've got to do what matters most. We're accountable to that. The second point is we must live in accountability with God. And I would say, do this first. Look at verse 17. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wasteful, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Paul's saying you've got to be mindful of God's will because that's what you're accountable to. You're accountable. I'm accountable to God's will that has been revealed to me in Scripture. Being accountable to others is meaningless if we don't want what God wants. Friends, this all comes out of desire. You can't have something with other people if you're not first accountable with God. It just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. And so he said to the Roman church in Romans 14, 12, he says, so then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Every Christian, not just non-believer, but every Christian is gonna stand before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for what they did with their life. We're talking about our attitude, our actions, our words, and our stewardship. Whatever we have, you can, we can spend a lot of time talking about what we don't have and how it's not fair. All the while, we're not stewarding what we do have. We're gonna give an account on what we do have, not what we don't have. God is going to hold us accountable for that. And the Bible says that we're going to receive rewards in heaven based on the stewardship, what we did with what we had. We can't stand before Jesus and say, you know what? If I just had a little bit more of that and I just had a little bit more of this, it all would have worked out. He's calling us as individuals to be accountable for what we did actually have. There is... No fear in standing in God's presence when you know that you've lived your life the best that you could. Listen, it's grace that gets us into the kingdom and grace alone. It's by faith, it's by grace through faith, which is a gift of God. You cannot earn your way into the kingdom. It's through the blood of Jesus. But as we're a part of God's kingdom, it's there that we become responsible for what we've done. We wanna be accountable with God in our own life. How do we do that? We read God's word. This is why I recommend a Bible reading plan. It's very important to get through God's word. We obey God's commands. I recommend to people routine journaling. If you went to our starting point class, you heard about what I do in evaluating my life. Instead of just assuming and thinking, you know, 2022 is a great year. I like to write it down. It helps me. Otherwise, I have this thing called forgetfulness. And I think you share that with me in the human condition. Number three is we confess our sin to God, and I, I recommend daily prayer where confession and repentance is a part of your prayer. Maybe you're struggling with that. I'm going to talk about that next week. Maybe you're struggling with what that even looks like or even means, but there has to be an intimate place with God. Jesus called it a secret place where nobody else knows about it, nobody else is invited into it, but we've got something with God that is valuable, more valuable than anything else where he knows our heart and we speak to him about it. We confess our sin. As 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, confess your sin to God for he is faithful and just and will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What if we sin and we feel the guilt of our sin, but we never confess it? We never share it with the Lord. We never say something to God. Friends, I wanna tell you, there's teaching out there that says you don't have to confess your sin as a Christian to God anymore because he's already forgiven you. That is nonsense. I mean, the reality is, is when you sin as a Christian, you don't have to get saved again. You, you don't have to go back and say, oh, you know, I, I fell out of my uh, covenant with God. No, Jesus made a covenant with the, the Father made a covenant with the Son. We enter into that by faith. It's not based on our performance. But we have a relationship with someone. And so whenever we sin, we violate that relationship and we want that to be clean. So if I do something that grieves the Spirit of God, I go to him and I say, Lord, forgive me for that. 
I'm sorry that I grieved you. It is not my desire. Would you just restore in me first love? Help me with this, Lord. I need your strength to overcome this. I don't wanna keep going back to the same thing. When we do this with God, it's so powerful because whatever he calls us to in terms of obedience, he gives us strength to accomplish. And I just love that about my relationship with God. It's not based on how strong I am. I mean, it's amazing. Ephesians 6.10, in the same book, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Remember, he even says about spiritual warfare, he says, after having done all, stand. See, after we've done everything we can do, we have to understand that God gives us something to go beyond ourselves. And so we've got to confess our sin to God because that relationship matters more than anything. And we also, of course, pray for God's help. Now, it doesn't stay there. We're not just accountable. It's just me and God. We want to be accountable with other people. And so my, my last point is we must live in accountability with each other. Proverbs 27, 17, you might have heard this before. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I, just, I have, I have an illustration here, and these are real. You believe me? <laughs> I found these. This is really what happened. Uh, these are real. You know, they're forged. Uh, <laughs> they're forged out of, out of uh, you know, supernatural steel. Um, he says, this, just picture they're real with me, all right? I can't. I didn't have a sword. Dang it. All right, anyways. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. They, they would take unfashioned pieces of iron and they would grate them together to make a weapon or a tool, something that was, that was useful. And, and the fact is, we start out like blocks of iron, but in relationship, we're called to sharpen each other to become something useful to God, not just blocks of iron. You know, the enemy wants to keep us blockheads, <laughs> Right? just dull and, and useless. But this is what God wants to do, and he gives us relationships to sharpen us into something that matters, something that's useful. And that's why it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We're in a battle right now. And there are schemes of the enemy that want to just take us out or lull us to sleep. And we need relationships in our life that will call us to the actual task at hand, what we're doing, what our life is about. We've got purpose in this life and we can't forget it. So we need people and God wants to equip us as we interact with each other, as we deepen our relationships. He wants to equip us to become something that helps other people. And this is really where victory comes from. And there's a lot of principles that I wanna share with you really quickly. I'll go ahead and put these away for your, otherwise you're just gonna focus on them the whole time. You're like, where do I get one of those? Does he give away his sermon props at the end of the sermon? No, I don't. All right. Uh-uh. I want to share with you some principles. Number one, choose someone that you can trust. This is the most important part of living in accountability. It's who you choose. Maybe you were in an accountability group, or maybe you had a friend that was accountable, and that didn't go very well. And I'm sorry for that. But I want to tell you that we've got to learn to trust again and find the right person. Occasionally, I have chosen the wrong person. And one time I did that and my wife graciously helped me understand that because I thought that I was in the right relationship and I wasn't. They just were not, they just were not the right person. It's not, I'm not trying to demonize them, but I just want to tell you, like, if you take, if you are trying to be an iron and you choose a piece of wood, 
This is what's going to happen. If you choose the wrong person, one of you is going to become dull and the other one is just going to get damaged. So choosing the right person is actually vital. Do you understand? Because it's just not going to work out. If you're choosing somebody that's cool or wonderful or only inspiring, but they have other issues and they're not growing at the same pace or the same place that you are, it's important that you choose someone you can trust. They're not going to tell your business and you're growing in that relationship with them. So I'm just going to state this for the record. Professionally, I am, Ben Dixon, is accountable to Randy Remington, Dave Edler, and another local pastor that you wouldn't know. That's my, that's my accountability on a professional level, if you want to call it that. My personal accountability is Chris Manginelli, John Hammer, and Trevor Loya. Those are the three people. Now you know. You have a question? There it is, okay? These are the people that know me. These are the people that I'm accountable to. Now here's my question. Who are you accountable to, and what are their names? What are the names of the people that know you on a level that they can speak into your heart and into your life and actually sharpen you? That's what I'm asking today. If we don't have them, we need to pray for them. If you are in need of taking this step, here's who you're looking for. Someone who loves the Lord and is seeking to follow Jesus with all their heart. You're looking for someone who wants to grow and is willing to give and receive both encouragement and correction. You're looking for someone who knows you and could see, and, or you could see becoming their close friend over the years. Someone you look up to maybe even. And they compel you in Christ in certain areas. And I, I think this goes without saying, but you choose somebody, somebody of the same sex. It seems controversial in our culture today, but there it is. Very important that we know who we're choosing. Number two, when we're in a relationship, we confess our sin to each other. Accountability is not sin-based, it's purpose-based. Now, here's the thing. When I w- was a young Christian, I was in an accountability group. And during that time, I was fighting lust, and it was an awkward experience, and I did, not, I did not like it. I think there are some accountability groups for that that are really, really healthy. It always depends on the leadership. But if all it, all it is is a shame group, uh, we're just beating each other up of how bad we did, or we did this, or we, whether you're like struggling with anxiety or depression or fear or whatever, and you get together with other people, and all we do is talk about how bad we did that week, we, we misunderstand the purpose of accountability. Accountability is not just sin-based, it's purpose-based. See, we're trying to get to something. We're trying to go somewhere and sin gets in the way. So that's why we confess it. When you confess, you agree with God that this is wrong and we also agree that we are new in Christ. Father, thank you. That's not who I am. It's what I did and I'm gonna move beyond that. We've gotta be around people that understand this. We understand this isn't a beat-up session, all right? So Sometimes people will say, well, I just confess to God alone. But look what James says in James 5, 16. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. If you want forgiveness, confess to God. If you want freedom, confess to someone else. Confess it to someone else. Friends, I need you to look closely at me right now. I have walked with a lot of people in my time of being a pastor for 20 years, and I have watched the secrets that people swore up and down they did not have. I have watched this. People that I thought would never have gone down the roads that they did, and I have found every time, without exception, as far as I can remember, there were always secrets that were in the shadows. 
And those things did not need to happen. Those failures did not need to happen. Friends, we can come out of the shadows and we can walk in the light. We can walk in the light. God is gracious. There are people that you can find that will walk with you to get free. This is, we do not have to be alone and we do not have to live in darkness. We do not have to do that. But look what he says. He says, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other each other that you might be healed. Have you ever confessed something to a person and you, you experience a supernatural work in your heart? I have. I, I look at it this way. Everybody has a computer. Like when you delete a file, you delete a file, you take a file, you drag it over to the recycling bin, right? That's like confessing your sin to God. You're dragging your sin into the recycling bin. But isn't it amazing how you can bring that file back out again? Can't you? You can just restore it to your desktop. That's all you got to do. When you confess your sin to someone else, it's like emptying your recycling bin. Now, in Christ, that has happened, okay? That has happened. I'm talking about freedom. When you empty the recycling bin, that's like you and I getting free. Something happens, as James says, we get healed. We go deeper. And when we become vulnerable, it's hard to do, but it's powerful, isn't it? Isn't it? We go to the doctor, we think all this stuff about us, but guess what? The doctor tells us exactly where we really are. And so we need to, we need to treat relationships more this way. Number three, speak truth to each other. Look what he says in Ephesians 4. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Truth is based on God's word, and truth brings freedom. Truth brings freedom. Jesus says that the truth shall set you free. Can I, can I give you a principle? This is so important. I mean, I can't even remember the last time I talked about something like this, but it, it really is so, val so much more valuable than I think we give it credit for. In my, in my relationships, I have people that know me and I know them at a very deep level. I currently have no secrets in my car. There are people that know everything about me. There's just a few. But here's the thing, is that if we don't regularly and openly welcome those same people that have the right to speak into our life, if we don't tell them in an, in an ongoing way that they can speak into our life, I'm telling you, they won't do it. They won't do it. So we can't say, well, I've got those people in my life because that assumption, because they're there, means that they're going to say things that are hard for them to say. You, we all know this. It's very difficult to assert yourself into someone else's situation. When you hear something coming out of their mouth and you feel a certain way, you're like, that doesn't sound right. If they're not inviting you, even if you have that relationship, how many of you know, even when you have that relationship, it still is kind of hard because you're not sure how they're going to take it. And you know what it says? The relationship is not as deep as we thought it was. And so we have to invite that. We have to speak to people. The Bible says there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors, but we've got to let people into our situations. We've got to open ourselves up more and more and more. And when we do that, truth can come and it doesn't have to hurt. It might cut, but it doesn't have to cut something off. And that's the way we do that is we regularly say, hey, listen, you have the right to speak into my life. If you hear something wrong, if you hear something off, I want you to tell me. When we regularly say those things, it's very important. Now, we don't have to join a group to do that. I'm talking about building relationships today. And number four, encourage each other. 
Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how we spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but look, encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching or Jesus returning. He's saying that we are called to provoke or to stimulate each other to love and good deeds. Like that's our purpose, right? That's what we're going after. That's what we're going towards. And there are things that get in the way. And we all need encouragement to go after what God has called us to go after. When I first started writing curriculum and books, there was this guy who was a good friend of mine and he was really annoying. (laughs) He would always ask me, how's your writing going? And honestly, every time he would ask me, I hated it (laughs) because my writing wasn't going that good. It was frustrating. It was hard. It was difficult. But he would always do this. He'd say, you can do it, and you can do it this year. He'd just say little things like that. You can do it, and you can do it this year. And as a, as a younger man, when another man, and this is a good word for us men in the room, and women would be the same, but I just know for men, for young men, young men need to hear that they can do it. When older men tell them that they can do it, and they say those things to them, it's, it's, it's very spiritual. It goes deep into their heart. You can do it. Fathers, say that to your sons. Doesn't matter what type of stuff you may, you may be struggling with, that, that relation, they need to hear it. You can do it. Because you know what? By God's grace, you can. And so this guy would say, you can do it, and you can do it this year. And <laughs> I was so annoyed by him, man. I hated it. It didn't feel like encouragement, but it spurred something on, love and good deeds. It spurred something on. And I accomplished that. I finished that. And then I went on to another. And then I'm, God used people in my life. Amen. He uses people in our life to help us get where we're going. The more we invite them in, friends, the further we can go, further we can go. Don't go alone. Don't go alone. You need encouragement. We have a deficiency in the area of encouragement. We need more of it, I think. A lot of criticism today. That's easy. You know, you could take a cheap shot at anybody. I've done it. I repented this week for it. I've had a lot of people take a lot of cheap shots at me. No conversation, no nuance, no dealing with it. I've done the same to other people. Those are cheap shots. What about encouragement? Man, keep going. God's got this. Call on his grace. The Holy Spirit will give you what you need. Powerful, isn't it? Powerful. Maybe you haven't heard that in a while. And the last thing, of course, is is very simple, but it's pray for each other. James 5.16, we just read it, but look, confess your sins to each other and then do what? Pray for. Okay, you can't just confess. You can't just talk about purpose and vision and future. There has to be prayer. There has, there, has to be, there has to be prayer. Pray for each other that you might be healed. Confession's not enough. Prayer is powerful. And then he says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You've got to know that. We've got to know that when we set ourselves to pray that we're not just talking to the wall. We're talking to God who hears what we're saying and knows what we need and he answers our prayers. I was... Um, struggling through a difficult season with uh, one of my kids. And um, without going into the whole thing, I was personally depressed. I was at a point where the scripture was haunting me. And it says, how can you manage the household of God if you can't manage your own household? And this is a qualifications for an elder. And so one of my kids was not, you know, walking out their faith in Christ. And it was, we had a deep opposition. And no, it's not you, buddy. All right. It's not Isaiah. <laughs> it's like, is he talking about somebody in the room? <laughs> um, I mean, I would. That wouldn't be. 
But uh, so here's what it did. Just hear what it did to me. You know, Bridget, uh, Bridget was walking out. Her, I can't speak for her, but for, for me as a pastor, it was just difficult to preach. It was difficult to lead. It was difficult to feel confident in my counsel. It, it was just difficult. And I was a lot younger than I am now. And so I found myself just really discouraged and, and quite frankly, depressed. And I went to my friend who knows everything about me, and I sat down in his office, and I just told him, this is what came out of my mouth. I said, I think I need to step down. I was a pastor at the time, and I also had a business. And he looked at me, he goes, what are you talking about? This is the first thing he said, kind of laughing. What are you talking about? I said, I think I need to step down. And he said, why? And I said, well, you know my situation. And he goes, man, you're doing everything that you can to walk this out. I mean, we did counseling, we did the whole thing. And I said, I know, but I just, I feel like this is supposed to be different. And he said, the fact that you feel the way that you do and you're walking this out the way you are is evidence that you should keep doing what you're doing. But I couldn't feel that. And so he was like, I could see in his face, he's like, I'm trying to get Ben to just agree with me. But there was like, you ever had something so deep in you, a person can't counsel it out? It's like an anchor on the bottom of the ocean floor, just dragging, and nobody's strong enough to pull the anchor up, no matter what they say. And so he just looks at me, he goes, oh, I'm just going to lay hands on you. So he put his hands on me, and then when he prayed, I just want to tell you what happened. This thing lifted off me like a coat that didn't, didn't fit. Man, it's just like, it's just a coat that didn't, it was like, it came off me and I was energized to go back to do what God called me to do and to serve my family. It was like this thing came right off of me. And it was like I heard the Holy Spirit say, hey, have you ever looked at my kids? <laughs> Just think about that for a while. And I realized something is that I needed a friend. I needed a friend who could cross whatever barriers I put up and step into that place, put his hands on me and just pray that heaven would invade that hell that was developing inside my life. And it just crushed it. It just crushed it. Where would I be if I didn't have people that would do something like this? Friends, I want to tell you today, and maybe you've had it, but you've got to have it. And maybe you haven't picked this up, but today we can pray for this to happen in our lives. We need people in our life that we don't just hang out with, but that we sharpen each other with in Christ so that we can do everything that God has called us to do. No regrets. We need each other. We do. We need each other. Everybody say accountability. Oh, we love it, don't we? We do. But we want to get better. We want to get cleaner. And we want to go deeper, and I believe this will happen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's go ahead and close. I want to say this to you as you're preparing to pray. Number one, if you need prayer today, we have prayer ministers up front. We have our pastors. If you need prayer, and that means if you're feeling something in your heart, does not mean you're just really broken. You might be in a broken place, and you need that, but it could be anything. You need to agree with someone. You need healing in your body. You need freedom. And you just want to come into agreement. We're going to be up here. We're going to pray uh, as long as we need to, number one. Number two, if you don't have an accountable relationship in your life and you've tried and you feel like, Ben, I've tried and this just hasn't stuck, this hasn't worked, we have something at our church called Discipleship Mentors. This is one-on-one -on -one relationships. We can pair you with somebody 
that can walk with you for at least a couple months in that season. You can develop a relationship where you can be honest and grow deeper. This is a place that we can help you start. So I signed a few people up last night, all right? (laughs) It's a place to start, especially if you're discouraged and you've tried. Maybe you have a personal obstacle that you need to overcome to get there or get there again. I want to pray for you today, and let's pray that God helps us to stay in accountability so that we can become what God has. Amen? Father, thank you for all that you are doing in our lives, and I long, I desire for each one of us to grow as deep as you call us, to be everything that you say. Father, I pray nothing would get in the way. We realize that the times are evil and, and the days are short. We don't have a lot left. And so the psalmist would write, to number your days that you might gain wisdom, to know how we are to go about our life, not just have knowledge, but actual wisdom that we employ. And I ask you, Lord, for each one of us that you would lead us deeper into our relationships where accountability is welcomed and invited and cultivated. I pray you would lead us deeper and we would find life-giving relationship in that place, Lord, as we're sharpened, as iron sharpens iron. I pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit today. Lead us to the right people. And maybe we used to have it, but those relationships are gone. And you're saying, I want new relationships in your life. I pray that you would lead us the way that you call us in this season, Lord. We don't look at the past. We look at the future. So help us make those decisions for your glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.